0: My name is Cheyenne, and I am a sinner saved by grace. You know, as we wrap up this series, Grow Together, I hope that that is one habit that we will take away with us as we move into the week. Because some of us are going to be spending some time with family we can't wait to spend time with. Some of us may be spending time with family we do not want to spend time with. And what I think our statement of I am a sinner saved by grace helps us do is reposition our minds and our hearts around the place God wants us to start whenever we enter an emotional space or a physical space. More having a conversation with that spouse we love or that spouse we don't really like right now. Whether it's with our teenager that just doesn't seem to hear the words coming out of our mouths. Whether it's with a coworker or a boss that just makes our life a living you-know-what. It is important, as we have learned through all of these steps, and we're going to wrap up with step nine today, it's important for us to all remember that we are all sinners saved by grace, and that equips us to do the mission that God is calling us to do. If you're in the house with us, True Words Sanctuary, online, we are so glad that you are here so that we can wrap up this series together, because I do believe that no matter where we are at, God is calling us to a life of growth. I have never met anyone that says, I don't want to grow anymore, I don't want to be a better person, I'm far enough, right? We can all kind of buy into this idea that yes, there's something that we can experience growth from. And so let's jump in to step nine. If you have your message notes, pull them out. You can also find message notes online at pathway.church slash sermon notes. It's on our app, but let's define our last step together. And it is, I will generously share the good news with others in gratitude for what God has already done for me. And I know what you're thinking. For some of us, the word generosity In church is a little uncomfortable I will tell you I am a post church child so the church did a lot of damage to me in the beginning and I was drugged back to church by my amazing husband and it took me years to be able to sit where you're at and hear the word generosity without cringing and I hope today if that is you that we can really kind of unpack some of that and help us get to a different place and trust that Jesus has something for you here And I'm going to get the most uncomfortable part out of the way. See the Old Testament does a really good job about defining what generosity looks like. We're to take our generous offerings and today we're actually going to spend time in the New Testament where there's a lot of letters written by the apostles of Jesus that shape what happens in us when we are generous. And I know. It's hard to kind of get there. When, we, when Matt and I first started coming back to church, he was actually raised in this church. We were both in two different places spiritually. He was churched, I was post-churched, but I agreed to go on this spiritual journey with him. I had just finished Grief Share, and we were talking about what it is that we need to do next to grow. And of course, tithing came up. As a topic in our marriage and i am so defiant i said no i don't think that's where god's calling us at all you need to check with him again please and thank you we serve and at that time serving was how we gave back i had a really bad attitude the first letter i really want us to kind of look at is in second corinthians Chapter 9, verse 7, and you should know that chapter 8 and 9 has been designed for local churches all over the world to help us figure out how to be good stewards of what we have. Chapter 9, verse 7 says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I weaponize scripture in a way that benefits me when God is calling us to use it in a way that liberates those around us. And so when Matt and I were talking about tithing, there was nothing cheerful about my position. And in fact, we argued for it a whole long time. And then finally, he came up with a compromise. He said, okay, I tell you what, we don't have to tithe now, but how about we go to Dave Ramsey? And I am so sarcastic, God is still working on my sarcasm. I said, okay, let me get this straight. You want us to pay money that we don't have to learn how to manage the money that we don't have. Okay. But then he played the God card. And when your spouse plays the God card, there's just not a lot of places you can go except for wherever they are guiding. And so we went because Matt was insistent that this is where god was calling us to grow in our marriage again terrible attitude as i went so the first day that we agreed on the cash system and if you don't know anything about dave ramsey dave ramsey has the envelope system where you carry cash you get rid of the cards and that was the worst idea i had ever heard i'm 38 i have no idea where my car keys are right now or my phone i spend all of my energy being responsible on not losing my kids And trying to be mindful in my marriage which I fall short of all the time and so carrying cash was another battle that my poor sweet husband had to fight with me y'all need to pray for Matt Davis he needs all the prayers but I finally gave in again with a not-so-great attitude and the first day that we went and got cash out we got $50 out we were gonna go spend it at Old Navy to buy the kids some clothes and it was a crazy windy North Texas day and when we pulled up we opened the doors and two of them Slam shut the other two flung open and everything in our car except for the kids Who were in car seats flew out of the car and you if you've been in North Texas at any time You know that the windy days are just crazy. They're possessed and it took us a while to regather our thoughts and regather Our children and Matt said all right Where's the cash? And I looked at him And we looked out the window and we saw everything that was left in the parking lot was sweeping completely across the parking lot. No one had to say what happened to the cash, we knew. We still spent time looking for the cash, but we went home with two hangry children, a disgruntled wife, and a defeated husband. And I was really trying to get in that headspace. It was just $50. It was just $50. But really what I wanted to do was look at my husband and say, I told you. I told you we shouldn't use cash, but I didn't. I held my tongue. But my husband knew that carrying cash and tithing was now completely off the table. This was on a Sunday. On a Tuesday, Matt got a letter from ultimately a complete and total stranger. It was someone that had seen him do something that blessed someone else. They found our address. They sent him a letter thanking him For what he had done for someone indirectly for them. And in that letter was a $50 gift card. And it was then that I knew God's not playing around with me. I'm not saying that what we give, we will get back. What happened in me that day was an absolute shift. My mind and my heart was radically reorganized around what I had plenty of, which was God's love. And the the focus was completely taken off of what I had little of. Matt and I were able to give bigger than we had ever given before and faithfully. And it's not because we got an increased income. And it's not because we hoped and prayed that God would increase our income. Please hear me. That is definitely not what happened. (laughs) But what did increase? was the trust that I had in God's love and provision. And that's when I made the shift of becoming a disgruntled giver to a cheerful giver. This is the last time we're talking about finances so everybody can relax, just breathe, it's over. Because what I hope you hear is that generosity has little to do with what you give and everything to do with the position of your mind and heart when you give, decide in your heart what it is you will give and do so out of the basis of the gratitude that you already have of what God has already given so much of. So this is what we're going to do today. We're going to evaluate ourselves. We are only allowed to evaluate ourselves and think about us in our own context. We're going to take a peek at the position of our own minds and hearts, and we're going to do what we've done every week in this series, and we're going to get very practical on how we can break down step nine and practice this in our lives. And we're gonna do so using the letters of the New Testament. And what I love about the letters is they're all written by apostles of Jesus. And they're all structured in a way to encourage people who believe in Jesus, so who are already bought into the mission of following Jesus. They're used in a way to help us be encouraged to go out and never get tired of chasing the one more. So being generous with our time and our talents. We're going to start in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, but let me give you some backstory on the Colossian church. We have a lot in common with the Colossian church. In this time that Paul is writing to this church, there are a number of groups in this community, and each group had very strong opinions about certain things, philosophical ideas, all of it. And each group including the church that had a different belief system, each group thought that they were right. And Paul is instructing a community of believers on how to grow when everyone thinks they're right, but no one is saying the same things. Can we agree that not much has changed at all? But Paul's instruction is so clear. In chapter 3, verse 2, He says, set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. So in your message notes, one way that we can really unpack how to be generous with the things that God has shared with us is to focus on things above and not on earthly things. So you and I can spend a lot of time looking around, focusing on the election, but what good is that going to do us? We can pay attention to all the data and statistics, which I think those are very important, about who's saying what about COVID, to wear a mask, not to wear a mask. I'll put it to you this way. Can you and I drive to our destination in a car while we're looking in the rearview mirror or behind us the whole time? Maybe, but probably not well. I can't do that looking straight ahead. The principle's the same though, right? We know that if we don't have our eyes laser-focused and our hearts laser-focused on where God is calling us, we're going to get distracted by a lot of different things. It's real easy for us to get wrapped up in what our friends think about us, our bosses, our peers, our pastors, leaders, anyone in our peripheral vision. It's easy to get wrapped up in what's going on around us. And I don't think our scripture is telling us this because it's supposed to be easy for us. I think God's word is telling us this because they know it's going to be hard no matter what the context. Remember, this is a church thousands of years ago. Not much has changed. Focus on things above instead of earthly things. Stop worrying about, and this is a pep talk for myself, we have to stop worrying about what is worthy of other people how many likes we get on social media and start getting wrapped up in what is worthy of the infinite. And when we focus on where our creator is calling us, we have no choice. We will grow together as we give back. So that is Paul's letter to Colossians. Let's go ahead and head over to Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. We're going to unpack this verse. Now, I love... Chapter 13, if you've got some time in your quiet time, please read around all these verses because we are going to be everywhere. But in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15, 16, it says, Through Jesus, continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. So create space in your mind and in your life to give praise and thanks for what God has done. And do not forget to do good and share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. In your message notes, number two, how we're going to break down and figure out how to be generous in our everyday lives is simply share what I have with others. Again, we can take 13 and really take a deep dive in that and look how we can be generous in a lot of different lanes. We're just going to focus on two. And the first one is the thing that I can be generous with is share my story. When Jesus sends out his disciples... He says, go and make disciples, so share the good news of what I have done. We're about to hop into the Advent season where we get to follow the birth narrative of Jesus. And when the shepherds come and see all that is of Jesus, they were so in awe and hopeful of the future that all they could do was go out and share, share your story with others. God is so strategic in the people that he places in your life. He does not make a mistake. And I get it. Some of you have a story that's ready for the printing press ready to be published and then some of you have a story that looks kind of like a crime scene it's got marks in it things are scratched out there's some moments that you completely would love to forget but the promise of god is true what he has put in motion in your life he will do to completion and some of you are just super humble and you're like well i don't want to spend time talking about myself and here's what happens when you do things in the name of Jesus. When you share the love and grace of Jesus with whoever you encounter, people don't see what you have done. People see what God has done in your life. And people are making decisions on whether or not they might start thinking about following this guy named Jesus. And through your story, they experience Christ for maybe the first time. Stories connect us all. God is a part of our story. When we win, when we fail, when we're in between, God is present in every step of our story. Share your story. The next thing that we can do is share my things. And these closing remarks, this letter is attributed by Paul, but he is saying that whatever you have an abundance of, do good with it. Share my things. I've been to Sam's, Kroger, Walmart, H E B. Empty shelves don't lie. We know you have things. I know I have things. <laughs> But we get a choice. That's the amazing thing about a spiritual journey is we get a choice every time. What will we do? I have amazing neighbors where I live. My daughter likes to make these tiny little homemade pies from scratch. My son has made homemade um, hot sauce. My husband, whatever he makes pies, he makes two. It all goes to our neighbors. You want to make a best friend this season? None of that matters. Drop off a roll of toilet paper or a can of Lysol. And you'll have a new best friend. We've fed our neighbors so many times, but you know the one thing that was worthy of a Facebook post was when we dropped off a can of Lysol. And I know we're going to be joking about this forever, but it really is neat to see God show up in a roll of toilet paper or a can of Lysol. Things change when we share what we have. And when you're thinking, I don't have things to share, I've got a great friend who is looking at her life to see how she could give back. And she did not have this in her pocket, but she started an initiative to collect sleeping bags to give to people during the seasons, this season right here, when it's the coldest. Share what you have, and then figure out how God has blessed you so that you can pour love into the people around you. We're going to hop back to Colossians. And we're going to talk about how we can interact with other people. In your message notes, be generous with grace when I interact with others. And ooh, isn't that easy to do when we're in church? You and I are so good at playing church here for an hour in worship and sharing grace and love and all the good feels. And then we go out into the world And we meet someone that votes differently than us, that thinks differently than us, that has an idea of marriage different than us. And in that moment, I don't know if it's just me, but sometimes I fail to be the church when I'm in a conversation with someone different than me. Have you ever noticed when you're in that conversation that it kind of ends up sounding like a debate? Two people on each side of a fence, both of them are wanting the other one just to say, you're right, and come on over to your side of the fence. And that never happens, right? And deep down, sometimes we really just want them to feel bad about thinking the way they do, right? Paul's telling us in Colossians 4, verse 6, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And I really like verse five because it speaks exactly to what Paul is trying to get at here. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. The moments that people rile us up the most are the moments we have the biggest opportunity to be generous with the love and grace that Jesus has also shared with us. And it's not going to be easy. It's never going to be easy. But through Jesus, all things are possible. And when we get to move out of the way of our emotions and our agendas and our feelings, we have the opportunity to let God do whatever it is he is doing in the lives of others through us. Be generous with the grace. And the next thing is, we're going to take a look at 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. And Peter is writing a letter to a community of believers that has been completely scattered, separated across different communities. And so you can imagine, right? Separated from your people. Nothing is familiar. How good is our mental health? When the uncontrollable things happen and we are stuck with the uncertainties of life. I don't do so great sometimes because I need a plan. But Paul is saying, in your hearts, Peter is saying, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So many times, us folks that are on a spiritual journey, and we've kind of been on it sometimes, don't we often get frustrated with people who just don't get it? When we talk about gentleness and respect, that is a foundational tool of grace. And it's not easy to hand out freely, because so many times we... Get caught up in the world is not interested in me giving them grace and love. But if we expect to grow together, that can't be our focus. If we're going to grow together, we need to radically reorganize our minds around what God has given, which is grace. If you were waiting for the people and world around you to deserve the grace that you give, you're going to wait forever. Be generous with the grace that you give to others, especially when it's hard. Number four, here's something that I know I get mixed up all the time, but be generous with the truth. And now don't get this confused with your opinions. So many times we see something wrong and we think we need to say it. But the beautiful thing about the truth that Jesus gives out Make sure everyone wins. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, you can find in John 7, it's not going to be up here, but a bunch of leaders bring a woman caught in adultery to Jesus. And they are demanding justice. And I love how awesome Jesus works. And this is definitely on my list of things to ask when I get on the other side of eternity. But he kneels down and he starts drawing in the sand. I want to know what he was drawing in the sand. And he said, sure, leaders. Punish her as you see fit. And whoever has not sinned, please, throw the first stone. And he goes back to drawing. One by one, the stones dropped. The leader stepped away. And in that moment, the kind of truth That Jesus hands out so freely was able to reconcile the woman to the love of God and reconcile the leaders to an accountability that they had never been held to generosity is the same way generosity is concerned with everyone winning because when we give we are filled with the fullness of God so much so that we have plenty to share and the world is often concerned with one winner just think about it even on Netflix I get the top ten the world is only concerned with the top tier. Jesus is concerned about us as a whole and the change that he can create when we surrender what we have. Be generous with the truth. And I really think kids, I've got some kids in the house. Kudos to you, to you kids. Kids are great at being generous with the truth. I hung out with a kiddo Uh, Maybe sometimes too much, but they're generous with the truth, right? You can admit that. They can say things to us that grown-ups cannot say. (laughs) But I was hanging out with a young lady who was asked to leave class, and usually that happens when someone's been a little unruly. And my first question is always, okay, so why'd you leave class? And she's like, well, I was a distraction. And I said, well, do you think that's fair? And she said, oh yeah. That was a big distraction and we had a really good talk and she went back to class and because she was able to exercise the truth from every angle her angle her teachers angle what God may be calling her to angle she was able to grow right there in front of my own eyes grown-ups we have a hard time with this sometimes I think because we don't we don't like what the truth says about us sometimes we aren't generous with the truth, because we don't like what the truth may request of us. But if we want to grow, it's so important to be grounded in the truth that Jesus provides us. And listen, we all work the system. That's OK. You don't have to get it right. And sometimes working the system sounds like this. I can quit drinking anytime. I can stop when I want to. And the truth is, if we could do it on our own, it would have already happened. Or maybe, it's okay that my family can't stand me, because all these people at church think I'm awesome. And the truth is, if we aren't leading our families well, that will tell its own truth in its own time. Or maybe, it's okay if I stay late, and work with this coworker that I find slightly attractive. And the truth is, you know it's not OK, or you wouldn't be justifying it in the deepest parts of who you are and possibly justifying it with your spouse. To all the bosses in the room, employees, you think, I. hard and firm and yell at them because I just want them to respect me and here's the really cool thing about Jesus Jesus knew to lead someone it had nothing to do with an intimidation Jesus has had a lasting global influence from the time that he was born as the least of these till today in the local church and he never used yelling or intimidation or strongholding someone to get them to do what he needed them to do. He met them where they're at. He came alongside them. They started to begin love and truth, and he understood at the end of his journey here that his only mission was to share the love of God with people and never get tired of chasing one more, no matter how fast they ran. Be generous with the truth that you tell yourself and that you give to others. We're going to end... And Luke chapter 9 verses 24 and 25. It'll be on the screen. I'll read it for you. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Jesus is painting a picture about how to keep growing. And something Jesus was really good at was giving attention to others. Just think about the last few days of Jesus' life. He spent time investing in the people that would carry on the mission that God had placed him on. And he spent time washing their feet. If you and I knew we had three days left here on this earth, Would washing someone's feet be on your top 10 list to do? I I would love for it to be, but it would take a lot of surrender to get me there. Jesus was never stingy with the attention that he gave to the people around him to equip them to do what God is calling them to do. So in your message notes, number four. Number five, be generous with the attention I give To others now you and I can get attention and time kind of mixed up and it kind of looks like this when you were having a conversation with your loved one in your home and the TV was on do you remember what the conversation was about maybe how about when you go on a date and you're sitting there and you're trying to have this meaningful conversation without kids screaming at you and you're on your phone. Do you remember what the conversation was about? Or maybe, maybe your kids are saying, mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy, because we're busy doing something else. What about when someone cuts us off in traffic? You're happy to get people attention then, but what kind of attention? Or maybe when you're shopping in the grocery store. When you're standing in line and you're thinking about your agenda, what's coming up? Are you paying attention to the people around you that just may need a glimpse of the awesomeness of Jesus? See, you and I can spend a lot of time with people, but are we giving them our attention? And attention is an easy thing to give away. Be generous with the attention I give to others. In the crossing, there is a way for you to meet and connect in ways how you can also be generous during the season with your time. We want nothing more than to see one more person fall in love with what God is doing in their lives. Be generous with the attention that I give to others. And if you're online, what does that look like for you? To be generous to the community around you, whether maybe it's taking a meal to a shelter Maybe it's starting a new initiative, like a sleeping bag initiative. What does it look like for you to give attention, be generous with the attention that you have to what you have around you? And in your notes, the last one. To keep what God has given, I must give it away. Luke is so clear. But whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life we'll save it it's a journey it's a cyclical journey so many times we think that growth is linear and we get to this point of our growth and we're like yeah I've done it I'm good and that's where we get in trouble we have to work the steps kudos to all of my friends that know that they are in recovery because they work the steps so if you feel yourself getting in a rut spiritually, emotionally, and trust me the world is giving us plenty of material to be in a rut And when you start getting there go through your steps go back through this series because the journey doesn't stop here Listen, I have been clean for 16 years and I know (laughs) um, But I know that every day, I have to surrender the demons inside of me. Because if I'm not careful, my bad judgment, and I have a lot of it, my bad habits, my negative thinking will get in the way of the good things that God is trying to do. We have to get out of the way sometimes for God to move in miraculous ways. And he is calling all of us to an extraordinary life of growth. I love that our last step just brings us back to the first step. You didn't know there'd be a pop quiz. Do you remember the first step? Surrender my life and my will to God to keep what God has given. I have to give it away. What changes when we radically reorganize our minds and our hearts around what we have plenty of? instead of what we are lacking. Let me pray. Good morning, God. We are just so thankful that you leave us your word to give us guidance on what it looks like to follow Jesus in a time where things are really hard and uncertain and impossible. We thank you for your spirit that you have left us to give us hope and draw us through any storm that we may encounter. And God, in this room, They are change-makers and hope-givers and grace-givers. And so in the season to come, God, just empower them to keep growing and generously give what you have so fully given as we all try to figure out how to surrender everything and nothing less.
1: Will you stand with us as we surrender everything to God?
0: share what he has already given see you next week happy thanksgiving